What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Brass Ring Media Podcast. It is Friday, September 15th already. My goodness gracious. How's it going? Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Certainly appreciate it. What's going on? I'm Zach Haydorn. Good to see you all. Thank you for being here. If you're watching us live uh, as we are right now, thank you for being here. If you're listening to us later on, uh, either on YouTube or on any podcast app that you wish. Thank you for being here as well. We absolutely appreciate it. Appreciate the support. It's been, um, gosh, it's been a month now since we launched Brass Ring Media. Uh, and what a what a journey it's been. And we have a lot of fun stuff planned um, throughout the weeks and weeks and months and months ahead. And we're just glad you guys are uh, here for the ride. Joe Pearl from Fightful is going to be joining me on this week's episode um, here in a minute. And we're going to talk all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of pro wrestling related stuff, including the PWI Top 500, the madness that, <laughs> that has ensued uh, around the PWI Top 500. Um, that is going to be a fun conversation, breaking down the top 10, who should be where, who got left off, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We also, I'm going to have a conversation with Joel about Jade Cargill and uh, the the, uh, uh, the potential that she has uh, in WWE to, to be a big star or not, or what is her ceiling? Is, uh, is AEW a better fit? Is WWE a better fit? We're going to break that down and we're also going to talk tons more about uh about wwe in general almost like almost like a state of the state of uh of wwe on the heels of what was a just an insane <laughs> just an insane week uh for them across the board i mean vince mcmahon not the primary majority owner of wwe anymore i mean that's crazy, right? I mean, it's crazy to even think that that was ever a thing and that would ever be a thing. I know I never thought it. I've been covering, you know, this industry now for, gosh, you know, seven years, more than that. And I, it, it was unfathomable two years ago to think that there'd be a time where Vince McMahon was not you know, the majority owner of WWE. And yet here we sit Friday, September 15th, 12 Eastern, 11 Central. And sure enough, like that, <laughs> that is, that is the situation. Um, and so I want to get into that with Joel, talk about uh, that simple fact and the reality, you know, of Vince McMahon's position with WWE right now, but also, you know, the upside, the upside that WWE has in front of itself uh, in terms of merging with the UFC, in terms of uh, being a part of TKO Group, in terms of being a part of Endeavor, which is a massive um, entertainment, um, massive entertainment entity. And so want to break all that down as well. But let's let's take care of a little bit of business first. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show once again. This is the Brass Ring Media Podcast. We do a free podcast every single week right here on YouTube. You can also find it wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. Normally, it's myself and Tyler Sage. As you can see, Tyler Sage, not here today. He is traveling the world, traveling the globe. He's over in London with his family um, and hopefully having just a wonderful time. I'm sure he is, uh, but it's going to be, it, 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 we miss him. <laughs> we miss him dearly, uh, but hey, it's a much needed, 
a much needed, a much needed break. That's for sure. Um, so Brass Ring Media, it's been around for a month. We appreciate the support. If you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel and also hit the notification button so you know when we go live every week for this very show. This show is live either on Thursday afternoons or Friday at this time. Um, you can check out that. We have free content in a variety of different places here on the YouTube channel, on our podcast feed, and also at our um, Substack sub newsletter. Um, you can search Brass Ring Media uh, on Substack for our newsletter. We've got all sorts of cool uh, free content that goes up on a daily and weekly basis. Um, com uh, columns on NXT, columns on um, our Brass Ring ratings for uh, different pay-per-views and different matches. Um, and, there's, and other fun stuff, not even always wrestling related, but the NFL just started. And so there's some columns up there about that um, and about, you know, my fandom as as a Chicago Bears uh, fan, I guess is the way I have to I have to frame it. Um, I wish I didn't have to frame it that way, but alas, I do uh, because that's that's what I am. As tough as tough as it is, but we write about that uh, at Brassring Media uh, as our, our Substack newsletter, so you can check that out if you want the full Brassring Media experience. Um, you gotta. Subscribe, become a member on on uh, on Patreon. You get a members only podcast every single week. You get a specialty podcast from me every single month. You get a specialty podcast from Tyler Sage every single month. You get access to our Brass Ring Media Discord community, the Discord World, which is which has been uh, honestly to me like one of the funnest parts about starting uh this project and starting this this initiative and this idea is is the discord community like if you don't want to talk wrestling on twitter <laughs> right if you don't if you want to talk wrestling with um you know a diverse array of people from different backgrounds and who like different types of wrestling uh, but also can talk and chat and throw ideas around and disagree um respectfully <laughs> and like adults, you know, brass ring media, that discord community has been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for that. And uh, so I highly suggest that that you join. So find us on Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash brass ring media. It is only $4, $4 um, gets you access to everything. And once again, that's an exclusive weekly podcast from myself and Tyler Sage, exclusive audio um, content from me on a monthly basis, exclusive content from Tyler on a monthly basis, all the the newsletter stuff that you could possibly want, our columns, everything, just four dollars. Um, and we certainly, certainly, certainly would appreciate the help and the support. Um, it helps us out big time if uh, if you guys do that. And uh, it's just been a ride so far. It's been such a fun ride, and uh, and I thank you very much in advance for 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 joining um, and taking us up on this offer and, uh, and getting a little bit more bang for your buck, um, at $4 and supporting, uh, and supporting. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Enough business talk, but let's, so let's shoot the breeze and chat a little bit about, about the merger, about the, the, the WWE merger with, um, with UFC. There's, you know, yesterday, um, we're recording this on Friday. So Thursday news broke that, you know, that there's going to be cuts. And, and I think that's the most unfortunate part um, 
just about the, the merger in general is that, you know, you're going to have people that are going to lose their jobs because, you know, WWE and UFC don't need, you know, people on both sides now doing the same job, uh, whatever that is. If it's in the accounting department, if it's in the marketing department, if it's in, you know, the folks who produce video packages, right? Like, like you know, you don't, unfortunately, you don't necessarily need to, to double up on that stuff anymore. I mean, that always comes along, um, those type of cuts and that type of, those types of business decisions always, always come along with acquisitions like, like, like we've seen here. And that's unfortunate. You know, it really is unfortunate. And it's a sad part about this. Um, but at, at the same time, it's, it's the reality, unfortunately. And, um, you know, obviously it's part of the reason why, you know, why the Endeavor wants to merge these companies together, because they do see a synergy there. They do see two entities and two companies that are similar in, in, in a lot of ways and therefore, you know, want to uh, make sure they can get the biggest bang for their buck, you know, given, given the circumstances. So uh, it's unfortunate to hear that news, but I think, uh, I think it was to be expected to hear that news given, you know, just given, given the circumstances of, of everything and what, and what mergers mean typically, um, it's again, it's unfortunate, but it, it kind of is is what it is. Uh, before we get any further, let's uh, bring in the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Joel Pearl from Fightful. Joel, what is going on, man? You've been a podcasting fiend today. Today, every day, Zach. Hello, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm pretty sure that there's a guy who's suspended right now in AW who has that moniker before. <laughs> well, that's true, but you know what, Joel? I'd rather talk to you than that guy. That's, really, I'd just... love to talk to that guy. <laughs> hey, man. You know what? When Joel Pearl signs up to join the show, like this is this is a good day. This is a good day for Zach Hayward and a good day for Brassford Media. So glad to have you here, man. Um, I'm talking. We're talking merger you know and kind of state of the state wwe stuff and just i want to get your take on just like kind of the week the historic week for for wwe you know whether you're a wwe fan or, or not like this week was a big deal and they know how to do it up i mean their logo on the side of the new york stock exchange vince is out there hunter like just kind of talk about your take on having consumed all of that and now being in this different era of, of, uh, of, of WWE. Well, the good news is not everything changes right away because yeah, the, the two companies did merge UFC and WWE. They're now under the Endeavor banners. There's a lot of things that come with that. We can get into a little bit later, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yes, I understand the unfortunate reality of a merger is that, as we're discovering today, people uh, will lose their jobs. But I'm trying to focus away from that because a lot of these people are going to land on their feet. That's one. And number two is yeah. that there is a certain um, there's a certain excitement and a certain uh, interest that I have as to how UFC and WWE are going to run if and when they run in tandem or at least try to collaborate in some way shape or form the big news or the big quote that came out was uh was epstein is uh, lawrence epstein was it from uh, yes. from endeavor talking about how he envisions wwe and ufc fans basically being all together all one and to me i think a lot of people read into that as literally 
like you, Zach Haydorn, are going to be a UFC fan and a WWE fan at the same time. And maybe you are, but I can tell you from experience, I am not. Yeah. My feeling was always when he said that, he meant it in terms of life cycle of their product. In that you think about when you were a 13-year-old kid and you saw the WWF or WCW or ECW, whatever you saw for the first time, TNA Impact, you were watching and you were really into that. And you were like, oh, this is cool. This And you turn it's a simulated fight and everyone's into it. There's storylines and everything. And then you get older, you go through puberty, there's this testosterone, you get into different sports. Maybe you're into MMA because the fighting is real and the fighting is intense. You jump away from WWE, you jump away from what you might call, you know, oh, that that not real stuff, whatever you want to feel about it. You move into UFC, you're a bigger MMA fan. Get older, maybe you have kids, you got a family. Well, guess what? WWE is still a very family-friendly product and the, those kids might be exposed to WWE and suddenly you and the family are packing up and you're going to go watch Monday Night Raw at your local venue and that same weekend, UFC is running a card. I'm just throwing it out there. The sure. idea here, it's all life cycle. It's all life cycle for their product. And their product is very much that. It's not that you're a fan of both at the same time. It's that your life cycle will dictate that you will be at one point in that ring of Endeavor Media. And that's kind of how I read into it. So to me, that's exciting. Man, that is that is a very interesting way to think about to think about what he said. Because I think, I mean, even Dana White came out and was like, nah, that's in classic data white fashion was brash and just downright mean <laughs> that guy. That was the stupidest comment I've ever heard or something. I'm paraphrasing, but would you, would you bring it up like that? Like, I, I think that, I mean, that totally checks out from a, you know, perspective of a couple, a couple things. One, just, you know, you just a person that's that's moving on in their life cycle of combat sports, right? You get in the characters, you're young, all right, it's fake. But then okay, now I'm a little bit older. Yeah, sure. I'd love to see these guys fight for real. And then you move on and then and then maybe you go back to WWE because it's you know your roots and, and and whatever. But the thing, other thing is, you know, the the one of the things that Nick Khan talked about and one of the things that other um, Endeavor Media folks talked about this week, you know, when they're on their little the merger media tour is fighters having the ability to kind of extend their shelf life as athletes, like outside of the octagon. So you also have this weird situation where, okay, if you're that, you know, 16, 17 year old who loves MMA and you've got this star that you watch there and then that person shows up, doesn't just fall off the face of the earth. But that person fall shows up in WWE later on, like there's like an initial connection that that fan is going to have to the WWE product because of that fighter that's kind of you know extending extending their shelf life. So there's a synergy there that I think is really interesting to explore too. Yes, absolutely, and and I think that there is a, a talent exchange that comes with it. Um, maybe it's a little more advantageous for UFC because you'll be yeah. training you'll be training people how to how to take bumps and not how to swing wildly you know there, there's a science to, to mma and to combat sports that personally i've never been a part of but i understand to a certain degree uh there might be some wrestlers who are legitimate trainees of mma and want to get into that world and maybe they'll do well but it feels to me like that is a very you know if you're a ufc fighter you want to get into wwe your daniel cormier wants to put on a referee shirt and go referee a fight pit match 
You can do that. You can have Conor McGregor yeah. do that if he's under contract. You can have various well-known UFC stars or not so well-known stars come over, do a crossover, and appear in WWE programming. I want to know what the benefit becomes for WWE at that, or, or what the benefit for um, UFC as a brand becomes at that point. Because Dana's just like, all right, I lost another guy. Whereas <laughs> right. WWE is like, okay, we got Conor McGregor. We got we got a guy that just retired, let's say, and is now moving over to WWE. He has that crossover appeal. He has that that built-in fan base. What does UFC feel as they're losing a guy or a, or a woman for that matter, whoever? And now they got to rebuild whatever they have. That's interesting. Yeah, because like because Roman Reigns is not going to be you know fighting Daniel Cormier like in a in a in a in a, in a, in a UFC MMA fight. He's yeah, not a referee in an MMA fight. I wonder like if it's more on like the business side for UFC where it's like okay you know we've you know if we run the same weekend as WWE you know the production is more cost efficient. We've got. A, a massive audience that's in whatever market that we're in. We don't have to draw these eyes on our own necessarily. I, I just wonder if there's like just cost efficiencies to, for them doing business with, with, uh, with, with WWE, because I mean, they're both in a sense, um, you know, 52 week products or, or close to is even the UFC. I mean, God darn. I mean, to follow UFC, I mean, you really have to put, you know, a lot of time and effort into that because there's fight cards every, almost every weekend, whether it's a pay-per-view or just like a fight night card on ESPN Plus or an ESPN, you know, special itself. I mean, there's a lot and there's a lot of fighters to get to know. Um, so I wonder if, yeah, because you're not going to have talent coming back the other way. So there has to be efficiencies elsewhere where they're going to, you know, see see a big bang for their 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 buck on this on this merger um man i want to be in the room watching dana white and vince mcmahon work together like i just i'd love to be just a fly on the wall for that because they 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 talk nice but there's no there's no way that those two can be civil with one another i think they get on better than people think you think so i do i and and it's and it's not because of, of political ties or anything like that i think it's honestly that they both know that they run their own successful combat sports like programming and that they're different, but that there are similarities in terms of the fan service and the fan aspect and just the entertaining of things because UFC has borrowed from wrestling oh, more yeah. recently over the years than ever before. They've evolved over those 30 years to become something that has some sort, you know, they, they try to create storylines. They try to create something out of the matches that are made. You know, it's, it's different, but it's similar. Dana may never openly be like, that was because of Vince. But I think there's a mutual respect there. And do I think that they're going to collaborate and be best friends? No, never. Because those are two very, very powerful personalities, very yes. strong personalities yeah. in the room. But that's why there are other people in the room with them to, you know, placate <laughs> their egos while also getting the job done. At the end of the day, you know, Vince, I, I don't even think Vince will be the guy in the room most of the time with Dana. I Honestly, I think it'd more likely be Paul. I just probably all of that, then that makes sense to me. Uh, Paul may not sit on the board of Endeavor, but he certainly sits very high on the WWE side of things. And as a result, his creativity, his planning, his ideas probably be the voice in the room. And Vince would maybe just call in afterwards and say, I don't like it, change it. And that's just what they do. <laughs> what do you make of 
or just talk a little bit about the idea now that Vince is still very much in a position of relevancy with within the new the new company. There's you know obviously no question about that, but at the same time, not a majority owner of of WWE anymore. I mean, and that in and of itself is a big story. Like I said at the top of the show before you before you joined that like two years ago that was almost unfathomable to to think that that would that that would be a thing um and yet here we are september 15th and it very much is is a thing i i wrote in a column for se scoops uh this week that it, it's that it's almost always what vince wanted you know he is no longer the wrestling promoter guy but he is top executive at an entertainment company um you know, he always tried to present WWE as something that's not just professional wrestling, sports entertainment. He coined the term. Um, and so in a way, he kind of gets to ride off into the sunset with that vision, um, that vision realized. And, you know, obviously he, he uh, is controversial in how he got there and the type of person that he is. But I, I think it's interesting to look back at like the journey and, you know, what where WWE went and from like the the Hogan era to steroid trial stuff. And then you get into the, like kind of the depths of the attitude era and, you know, Benoit and, and all, all, like all this whole kind of crazy journey where WWE is not even close to like a mainstream, you know, uh, product entity that people are willingly embracing it's more, it, it came from a place of it being very shunned to the side. And now, you know, it's part of a, a massive, you know, entertainment conglomerate and with Vince at the, at the helm. And it's, I, I think that journey is fascinating to, to look back on and, and someday hopefully we can do it in more detail, but just big picture Vince is out as a majority owner. And like, what's the significance of that in your eyes? It's funny because I would argue while Vince was majority owner of WWE, that was still a publicly shared company. He still mm-hmm. had people to to contend to to contend with, and also people that he had to uh, to to I don't know how to put it, but he had people he he had people to be accountable to there as well. Did he get final say? A hundred percent. I think he pretty much still gets final say with what he's doing now because Ari Emanuel is just like, yeah, he's the guy in charge. I trust him with this vision. <laughs> yeah. I'm only going to step in if he does something egregious and gets caught and has the feds, you know, on him. <laughs> then it's a big deal. And uh, it wouldn't be the first time. It's probably not the last. No. But really the whole thing here is Vince is, I think Vince is, is vilified for his business practices in a lot of ways. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's, he's great. He's the best boss ever. No, God, no not so many stories out there that are accurate and that are true and that as a human being yeah he's kind of a piece of garbage um as as a guy running a business you can't really deny the fact that that business's state of floats has been making record profits has made deals sometimes with the devil in order to get ahead right. in business um for that he's very smart for the things that he's done to survive the man is a cockroach in 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 the world of business in that he survived. We're not even talking about the allegations of, of sexual harassment anymore. We're not. And, and it's something that we should be still talking about because he paid off women that he allegedly had inappropriate conduct with and inappropriate relations with. We're not talking about that anymore. And and 
there's reason for that. Unfortunately, uh, the, the news cycle moved on and now he sold the company and he sold it to somebody who was going to let him still run it day to day because the Saudis weren't going to do that. If, the, if anything mm-hmm. is true about the Saudi uh, deal on the table, then no, they probably weren't going to either. Uh, the ones in, um, in, in Colorado, the venture capitalists, oh my God, were they venture group? One of I the think they were, yes. Yeah, the other ones that were going to buy it were probably looking to do it without Vince, or at least with very minimal Vince interaction, because there was a benefit to to having Vince not there from a PR standpoint. Endeavor's massive. Him sitting there is is just hiding in plain sight. From a creative standpoint, some of the changes Vince Vince makes to Raw or SmackDown now, um, they're not all seen as bad. In some cases, you know, the move on Monday, for example, to have Cody come out later, that was more because of a football thing. That was more just because they wanted him to come out during halftime instead of opening up the show right at Monday Night Football. And that is something that Vince and his team can see that maybe uh, Hunter wasn't thinking about, that that Paul Levesque wasn't thinking about. For that, I don't mind Vince McMahon being still involved as long as he's at home and he's just, you know, like Mr. Burns on the carpet of his office. (laughs) Wearing his robe and just picking up the phone and just being like, I have an idea. If it's something like that, I'm fine with him making those changes. But other than that, that's as far as I want him in my in, in my creative product. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And I, I think that, that that's why this like position for him to me is like interesting because he, you know, seemingly like if he's the, the chairman of, of TKO group, executive chairman, I mean, that – I think can be like a ceremonial position <laughs> if he wanted it to be, but that's not Vince. And so I certainly don't see him in the weeds in the UFC business, of course, unless he wants to throw, throw his weight around, which means like the WWE is what's all that's left. And so it's a matter of, I think, um, you know, just being around, but not like in the, you know, in the mix. To me, that's that's the biggest difference, and I think we'll you'll know. I think we'll know pretty pretty quickly. Um, the other the other element here that I think is interesting too is like when with Vince McMahon in WWE as the top guy. You know, if if something happens, like for example, we don't know too much about what the feds raided his home for. There's ideas, of course, but like there's no official news on that yet. Like. I think Vince is also in a position within TKO and with within Endeavor, and he's dealing with people above him that are more powerful than than he is. Where it's like stuff like that that may have taken a long time to play out within WWE. Like, is Vince staying? Is he going? What's he doing? Like, Ari and his guys. Like, if something like that happens, they could just cut bait, you know, and like see events. Like, and they've got other bigger things to worry about, bigger fish to fry than Vince McMahon and. That is an interesting dynamic as well, where, you know, yes, Vince is high up, but the people above him are you know, significantly more powerful at, at this point. And, uh, you know, he's a, a, a number on, on a balance sheet, so to speak, you know, not necessarily like the main driving factor in the success of this new of this new company. Far from it, I'd argue. Yeah, we don't know how long the rope is for Vince to. Arc. Yeah, we don't. We know that there's a that there's a. a, a, a passion there that's shared between both men when it comes to entertainment and business and that's fine but at the end of the day Ari might be like if you cause one problem for my business bye bye 
And yeah. Jimmy Van over at Fightful, the, the founder of Fightful, he had posited that, you know, this whole deal could easily just be an opportunity to backdoor Vince the second that they get a chance and be like, okay, bye. Vince has it in his contract. I believe that he's got a couple of years of pay for his severance if that were to happen, if he's fired without cause or without, or just, I, it might just be a fire in general. I don't know for sure. Sure, sure, sure. Regardless if he's let go, the idea being he gets paid. But guess what? Endeavor's worth enough that they would probably bounce back and the opportunity, yeah. the, you know, the, the risk would be worth the reward. And honestly, he'll never be fully gone. Like, right. again, he'll still be on the phone with Paul and he'll still offer some advice. And some of it's going to be great and some of it's going to not so much land, but it, it'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, thanks to everybody who's joining us live on YouTube and on Twitter. And thank you to everybody who is uh, tuned in after the fact in either of those places and uh, on the podcast feeds as well. This is the Brass Ring Media Podcast, our free version of the show. Joel and I will hop off in a little while here and record our members-only version, which will hit um, on Patreon for our members a little bit later this afternoon. Sean is in the chat. What's going on, Sean? Thank you for for, for joining us. Um Let's pivot on away from, you know, WWE kind of broadly and talk to, about some news of the week, which is uh, AW former uh, TBS champion Jade Cargill um, rumored to be heading to WWE, um, did the job uh, to Chris Statlander, spoiler alert, um, and uh, all indications point to you know, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, reporting that that jade is headed to is headed to wwe um when you hear that joel what um what 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 do you think what what do you make of that news on both sides from a wwe perspective and from an aw tony Khan perspective so let me take you back to wednesday night they show the graphic rampage chris statlander versus jade cargill for the tbs championship and my ears perk up and i'm like huh and I go to bed that night. It's fine. I wake up in the next morning and I see uh, the report from Sean Ross Sapp saying that the belief is Jade Cargill's wrapping up, said the spoilers from uh, from Rampage, and the belief is that she's headed to WWE. Some people have refuted that. They're putting down $50 bets, sure, whatever, go ahead. Regardless of the reporting, the belief is that Jade will go to WWE. Does she need the money? No, we very much know that she doesn't. Is there an opportunity for Jade to do more outside of wrestling with a deal the first deal under endeavor yes because of jade cargill who is a crossover megastar and has the looks to boots to do a marvel movie let's say guess who your next storm is yeah right it's the woman who just signed a deal with endeavor and wwe this is not a wrestling this is a wrestling contract let's face it but this is a door to create more opportunity for her and i love it I think AEW did fumble, of course. I think that Jade's doing the right thing on the way out. She said very positive things about the company. I think she really did genuinely enjoy her time that came with it. Uh, I don't obviously know what the details of any conversations were in terms of picking up option years or any contract news that I will defer to someone like Sean Ross Sapp, who is very much in tune with that conversation. Uh, however, I will just say that this is a lost opportunity for Tony Khan. Um, he has an opportunity to build a women's division. He decided not to build it around Jade for whatever reason. Now Jade can come in, potentially debut with WWE, have some matches. But really, to me, the point of the move, potentially, is that she can find her way into bigger deals, brand endorsements that are under the WWE umbrella, movie roles, TV, whatever it is. Because 
for all the amount of times that people say Warner Warner could get you that with AEW, we don't really see that crossover. Samoa Joe's doing a show on Peacock, and he got that while he was still with WWE doing the sweet tooth deal for Twisted Metal. Uh, that's not to say they don't exist. It's just not as plentiful as they might become under this new acquisition. A hundred percent. That's really well said. I God, I don't even know how much I could, you should, you should be on the show more often. It's almost as if I host the show Monday, Wednesdays and Friday. <laughs> yes. It's almost like, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I think it's a great move for Jade. Um, first and foremost, like number one, she is getting the bag. I'm sure she's getting paid. Like she's getting hers and she should. So good for her on that. And then man, you hit the nail on the head. The opportunity that's on the table outside of just wrestling is, is massive. I mean, Endeavor is a massive entertainment company. I mean, with, with players in it that, that know people everywhere and have connections to folks everywhere, agents and all sorts of different you know, intricacies that can get Jade, you know, into conversations that she just wouldn't have been able to get in before. So I think that's a really smart move for her short-term and long-term, you know, to, 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 to develop and get yourself in a position where, yeah, you can do a lot in wrestling, but you can do even more and take advantage of this whole new partnership. That's, that's huge. And it's a good move for WWE as well. I mean, that, I think for, as a wrestler, if you take the other stuff out, as a wrestler, I think she fits way better in the WWE kind of system and style than she does in, in AEW. I mean, I think just the, the wrestling style there just is much more opportune for her, you know, than it is, um, you know, for, for somebody like Ruby, Ruby Soho in, in, in WWE. Like, it's just, she's got this, like a, a great look. She's got a personality. She's got charisma, like, and all that in WWE matters more than I think you're, you're, you know, whether or not you can have a five-star Matt classic. It just, it just, it just does. I mean, you can picture like Jade and her entrance at a WrestleMania, like, you know, being what it, what it is. It's just, I think that there's she's just a better fit, and and just as Sean uh, mentioned in our in our chat here, there are very good matches for her in WWE, like Charlotte, Bianca, Bailey, Becky, Rhea Ripley. I mean, there's five right off the top. You know that you know, Sasha, if she ever comes back. I mean, it it's it's really it, it, like there, there's just so much opportunity there. And so if I'm her and I'm and I'm thinking like, man. These are my two options. I can either stay in AEW or go, go over there and, and have that waiting for me. I don't even know if you think about it all that long, provided the money's there, which I'm sure it was, right? I mean, I don't know, man. She's also a Cody girl. You know, when she was yes, in, yes. Cody Rhodes acquisition, uh, Cody Rhodes uh, scouter, whatever we want to call it. Uh, and I made the joke on in the weeds this morning. I said, we're now one step closer to doing the rematch back in the ambulance and let's bring Shaq back up. Let's do Shaq and Jade versus Cody. And we can't get Red Velvet, but man, we can get Brandy Rhodes and we can get the open mic night comments back. Brandy's doing yep. it. But let's face it. She could do another match. Come on, Brandy. Let's go. Let's do it, Brandy. I mean, you're yeah, you're right. And and, and in regards to like the AEW factor, the AEW side of this, it's, it's, I, I just, I look at all the opportunity left on the table, all the people that Jade didn't work with, like she didn't work with Britt Baker. She didn't work with Tony Storm. She didn't, she didn't work with like the, 
Soraya, uh, I mean, all the top like women's talent, she didn't work, work with. She didn't have a run with. I mean, she held down the TBS division and ran through a bunch of opponents and, and had a really strong title reign um, and really made herself into a star with that, for sure. I mean, I think they booked, like Tony Khan, I think, booked that well to get Jade to the level that she was at. But now he's not going to be able to cash in on that investment. Like, like that equity is just kind of going out the door. And with all those big matches on the table and the need for, you know, an anchor of the women's division, that they still are looking for that. Um, it's, uh, I think it's unfortunate for Tony Khan to see her walk out the door like that because there's just so much left to do with her and, and she's going to go do it somewhere else now. That's not what you want as a promoter. Yeah. And I want to, I'm going to ask you a question in a second. I want to, but I want to bring up too, um, something you mentioned was some of the the talent that she has the opportunity to work with in WWE. And this is the big difference between the, the women in AEW that Jade got to work with and the women in WWE that she has the potential to work with. Uh, and this isn't a slight at any, at any one or any person, the women in AEW are not the same size as some of the women in WWE. Nyla Rose is the closest you know, big woman closest to Jade Cargo. Jade is a big, muscular woman. She is, her body type is very different from the rest of that division. And as a result, it she couldn't not be dominant. So now right. she's going to potentially move over to WWE. And now she's going to work with people like you mentioned, Charlotte, like Rhea Ripley. But yes, Bianca Belair is another one. She's she's smaller, but she's still, you know, very, she's well put together. She's built. Uh, and, and, and I'll even throw out Nia Jax. Because yeah. she's still someone who is sizable and going to make a bigger, a bigger fight feel. And again, that's not it's not a slight at anyone, uh, anyone's women's division or anyone's body type. It's more just the idea that Jade, built as she is, is going to come off as much more credible having matches with some of these women and standing in the ring with some of these women who are just physically bigger than what you'll find on AEW TV right now. Exactly. Oh, Sorry, and the question I was going to ask you, she goes yeah. to AEW, or sorry, she goes to she goes to WWE. Does Jade Cargill debut on NXT or does she go up to the main roster immediately? Oh, main roster, main roster for sure. I I and here's the reason. She I think okay I think she could use the seasoning that 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 NXT would give her. You know I think that you know the reps, just the you know you gotta pretty like who's who coaching system down in NXT that I think could really like help her. Um, but, but all that being said, I think sometimes you really want to emphasize certain debuts. And I think it says, I think it tells your audience something when you debut this brand new, this, this brand new star and, put her right up on the main roster. I think that tells your audience like, Hey, pay attention. This is a huge signing that we got and she's really good. And, and it's just about perception at that point. And I think you don't want to do it with anybody, everybody. And you want to pick and choose your pick and choose your battles. But I think it, in any, like with Jade and NXT, as much as the seasoning would matter, I mean, I feel like she's right back kind of in that AW situation with some of the, the talent down there. Not that, Jade versus Tiffany Stratton wouldn't be 
a good match. I think it, I think it could be, but like her and Roxanne and her and Gigi Dolan and her and JC and her and Thea, like, I mean, that is a big size difference there. And she's, I think she's kind of right back into the mix of just like plowing through those women to me, how I would debut her is, you know, look, you're, you're in there with Charlotte, like right out of the gate, you know, and you, and you, and probably even put Jade over. Like, I think that she can be a difference maker in that regard. And I think it's important to like lay that foundation right out of the gate. So that's what I'd be doing. But because of the seasoning element, I think you could definitely make the argument the other way too. Where are you at? Zachary, Billy, Joe Armstrong's Haydorn. <laughs> Who is the NXT Uh-oh. women's champion? I know. I know. I, I, as I'm, as I was making this argument, I'm like, I'm back. So yes, Becky Lynch, sir. Uh, this is something that I talked about a little bit on in the weeds on, on overbook that I, the, the show that I host. Uh, and my feeling is WWE and their media rights deal have discovered that maybe we're not going to make as much for SmackDown and Raw as we thought we could. Doesn't mean our third brand can't make a lot of money. And this is the opportunity for them to continue to build with not only the developmental part of developmental NXT, but also create some big stars out of it. That's why you're seeing Dominic Mysterio show up and win a title. Becky Lynch showing up, winning a title. Seth Rollins having a very competitive match with Braun Breaker. And the numbers reflect that. Jay Cargo coming in on day one and beating Becky Lynch for that NXT Women's Championship sets two precedents. One, this woman is someone you're going to want to watch. And two, this woman is someone who's going to make an impact. No pun intended because I cover impact as well. Now, (laughs) the point of all of this is to say she doesn't need a long stint in NXT. She maybe needs, you know, a couple of months and people have said, you know, put her on the main roster and she'll learn from so on and so forth woman and, and anyone doesn't matter because really in wrestling you train with everyone doesn't matter. It's non-gender specific. But the idea here being they're going to they're going to learn as they go. Well, unfortunately, on TV days, you don't always have the day. Sometimes there's media obligations. Sometimes there's other events going on. Sometimes there's just something that gets in the way that you don't get that training time. Over at the PC down in Orlando, you do get that time because it's set aside specifically for you to get that time. She'll need the seasoning. She'll need to WWE-ify her version of wrestling. And that's not a knock on anyone. They did it with Adam Cole coming out of Ring of Honor. They did it with Drew Drew McIntyre, for Christ's sake, went and did an NXT stint coming back in 2016, uh, 2016, 2018. Either way, when they brought him back, He had a stint in NXT. It's not a dirty word anymore to show up in NXT. And I think Jade having a quick little run where she shows up, wins the women's title and shows people, because I'll tell you now, people who are watching AEW are not all watching NXT and WWE. Some of these people would actually probably be, they'll see Jade for the first time and they'll set up the match and they'll be like, holy crap, you have to see this woman. You have to see this, this, this mountain of a woman who is beautiful and can kick butt and she's going to do it next week in a title match. And then that brings in more eyes and that brings more people watching your product, whether that's NXT, whether that's Raw SmackDown, either way, it starts somewhere. And to me, it's NXT for God, it could be two months. Mm-hmm. Show up the Royal rumble as your official, you know, WWE main roster debut, but have her win even as early as deadline. If they're going to run deadline in, in December for NXT, that could be her big crowning moment. You make a compelling argument, Mr. Joel. You make a very compelling argument. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's all about. I mean, it, I, I mean, gosh, just like anything, there's a lot of factors. One of them, very, very well, may be like, what does the company think NXT is going to be for them? You know what I mean? Like, if it, it, clearly 
they want to drive numbers on that show. I mean, without without question, I don't think you, I don't think you do the move with Becky if you're if that's not a a, a significant you know uh, strategy at, at at this point. So so yeah, I mean, there, there, there's pros and cons. I mean, there's definitely pros and cons. Like if if she goes to NXT and wins the NXT championship. You know she's got to do a job before she at some point soon. You know before she goes up to the main roster, or she doesn't. I guess she doesn't have to do that. But, uh, yeah, I mean you make a good argument. I mean, and really, really, I think she could benefit from, like the the, like the only reason not to do it, as, as I mentioned before, is the perception of being a big star and like the you know I think that there's just in an eight, like, whoa, okay, this person's on the main roster. This she's opposite Charlotte Flair. This is big. Um, she does need work in the ring, though. I mean, if she, you know, she's not gonna have the same type of matches that you know that Becky and, and Tiffany had this past week, but she needs like, you know, I <laughs> Shawn Michaels helping you in the ring is not gonna hurt you, you know. Her him being around is not gonna hurt, you know, your character development. And and so that all I think is a is a, certainly a positive for a stint in NXT. And so you I, learn by doing. And I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that Jade has to go and do the coconut loop every weekend and work with her. Maybe she does. We don't know. I mean, if she wants to go and, and learn her craft and be in front of people wrestling, totally up to her. I, I kind of push back with the whole, like, you know, this wrestler needs to be better so that they can get more opportunities. Well, LA Knight's not exactly the best wrestler in the world. And what are we doing with him right now? He's getting pushed yeah. to the moon. He's got years of experience. Don't get me wrong, but he's never been Mr. Work rate. He's always been Mr. Charisma. And that's what you get from Jade. And the second that they let her, you know, have a moment on the microphone and just show up, honestly, her aura and alone is going to get a lot of people talking, but her wrestling. Yeah. Listen, some people are going to say, leaves something to be desired but I don't think that's going to be the be all end all because yeah, no. this isn't a situation where, you know, as Bruce Pritchard used to say, and then the bell rang, she's, she's pretty good bell to bell and she's getting better bell to bell. And that comes with the reps that you, you have as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. Let's talk about people talking. Um, the PWI top 500 came out, Joel, always, always a, a day of, uh, you know, smart, respectful discourse in the pro wrestling community. Nothing ever goes haywire on this day. Uh, but I do like talking about it because I think it is like a good snapshot of just, you know, the, 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 the top wrestlers, you know, in some capacity, you know, I mean, everybody I think can make their arguments about where these top 10 should go in the top 10, but I don't know that anybody would really argue with the top 10 as a whole. And that's kind of how I, how I look at this and how I analyze this. So you've got Seth Rollins holding down the number one spot, Roman Reigns, number two, John Moxley, number three. There's your, the shield trifecta. Gunther, number four, Vikingo at five, MJF at six, Okada at seven, Orange Cassidy at eight, Josh Alexander at nine, and Cody Rhodes rounding out the top 10. When you, when you see that and you hear that, um, like what you good with it? Like, are, are you kind of, are you like, man, Cody should be higher. What's Seth doing? Like, what's your initial take your initial like gut reaction right away? Instinctually. My first take is, do I know who number 500 is? <laughs> <laughs> do and, you? 
Yes, because you know who number 500 is this year? No, I don't even know. It's Andre Chase, baby. <laughs> no? Really? Yes. Wow, okay. Coming okay. Running out the field. Uh, it's a subjective list. It's a subjective art form. I don't understand why people put a so much stock into this as fans. And I don't understand why people care about it as much. Do I think that this is a, a comprehensive, 100% truthfully honest list and it's the way it should be forever and ever? I mean, no, <laughs> absolutely not. The, there were people who got upset that, you know, Brian Danielson placed number 16. There were people who were upset that Tetsuya Naito didn't actually place on the list at all. And it turns out that that was kind of a clerical error as they were putting together the list. Naito kind of got shuffled off to the side and then a gust of wind came and blew his name into the trash can. Regardless, it was a right. bit of a... There was just a snafu there, and but but it, that kind of proves the point that right. This is just a subjective list, and I respect the hell out of the people who put it together because there is a lot of thought put into it every year. They really do pour over the amount of matches that someone had in the judging period, the importance that they had to the business, and you know just the way that they conduct themselves and so on and so forth. There is there is a bit of a science to it. That being said, it doesn't completely. Uh, shape my fandom do i think seth should be do i like this list yeah sure it's fine i'm i'm a big fan of josh alexander going from number 14 last year to number nine this year i'm a big fan of and again because i cover impact i got to do this i'm a big fan of cody diener who was like 320 something last year going up to like 209 this year and then him asking what does this mean for my booking rate and i said you take the percentages and then you add whatever it is you take that percentage <laughs> and you charge more based on your ranking <laughs> this is basic math diener stuff like that it, that's just how it is i love that wrestlers do um care about this I like that wrestlers want to see that they are evolving as characters and that they are becoming better year over year. And some of them are slipping and some of them, whatever that's it's, it's motivating for a lot of them. And for some, it's justifying for, for others. Uh, I, I'll go back to Josh Alexander who commented on it and said, I never would have expected to be on this list that I used to look at religiously yeah. when I was coming up and for him to be there. That's a good moment. That's a good feeling. I'm glad he feels that way. I don't want someone, I'm just going to pick a random number. Let's say, uh, no, I like Darius Carter, so I'm not going to make fun of him. Bully Ray. I don't think Bully Ray at 171 is going to be like, I should be number one, and he is why. Bully Ray is having a great you know, <laughs> resurgence. He's having a good time. I don't think he's complaining about his number on the show. If he is on Busted Open, I'm sure there'll be an article about it, but I'm sure he takes it in jest. Yeah, totally. I'm glad. Man, you, you got a good perspective. You're the perspective that I want to have on this. Like, what the, 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 the what drives me crazy is like the, the, wild like tribalistic discourse that goes along with 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 these with these ratings and that's why i look i look at it and grade it out like as a analyst and as a as a fan and everything i look at it as chunks in chunks like i because you could because like okay could you put seth rollins at number one sure you know i think you can make an argument for that could you put cody at number one yeah, I think you can make an argument for that too. Roman Reigns, for sure. John Moxley, for sure. Like, I think you can make arguments for guys being in the top ten in different in different slots. But do I think they got the top ten right collectively? I do. You know, I, I and I think if you take into account, like I know people were bent out of shape yesterday about Cody Rhodes not being higher. Well, you know, a lot of the grading period he was out for. You know, he wasn't around. Like he was injured. So. That gets that gets factored in. It wouldn't factor in for me because you know I I would say 
your main eventing the highest grossing WrestleMania of all time, like you should be up higher on the list. But if you're not, if you're taking into account other things, um, you know, it's, <laughs> you, <laughs> it's just a list folks. It's just a list that said. Interesting. I, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, John Moxley, the shield one, two, and three. That's pretty darn cool. Like if you're those guys and you got all those guys are in totally different positions in their career right now. You got Moxley doing his own thing at a different company. Seth's the workhorse champion who really in a lot of ways just kind of found his stride, you know, during this time with the character and the the get up and song and all that. It's finally kind of put together itself for him. And then Roman, of course, you know, is, you know, tip top guy, you know, longest reigning champion in uh, God knows how long thousand day plus world title reign and part timer. Um, so the, all the three of these guys have been on such different journeys, but they are, you know, this list or not. It just it makes me it makes me kind of just look back and go, yeah, man, I mean, they were bred for this, like the shield act existed so that those guys could be introduced in a big way. And then have top runs in the comp in WWE, and now they're not just in WWE, but they're you know they cross the line into AEW too. I mean, just the the three of them at the top of the list just showed that like, hey man, like this was a this was a supremely talented bunch that you know it doesn't always go as expected for 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 pro wrestlers, and here I think it did in, in a lot of ways, and this isn't the only reason that it that that should come up, but it's a reminder that, man, these guys made good on, on what they promised they do in the industry. A hundred percent. They, they've done so much and it's amazing that they've had the longevity they've had so far. And a guy like John Moxley, who, you know, had a hell of a stint in, in WWE and then has made AEW his home. He has become the most you know, recognizable name and also the the one that's most trustworthy in the backstage area for them. He's yeah. really taking that company on its back and he deserves that praise as well. I see the three guys at the shield, you know, just sitting in a room together doing like Paul Rudd and Sean Evans on hot ones. Just be like, look at us, look at us. Yeah. Huh? Who would have thought? That's the moment that I thought when I, when I saw the three of them listed. And again, like I look at the rest of the list and I'm like, there are good names here that deserve to be here uh, and, and uh, should be happy with where they are. Now, my doppelganger, Joe Gacy, being number 200, don't know how I feel about that. But there will Ice always cold. be more opportunities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, Joel, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who's joined us live during the show. Thank you to everybody who's downloaded uh, the podcast after the fact. Uh, we are going to head off and we're going to record our members-only version. If you want to become a member of Brass Ring Media and, and uh, get more content like this from myself, Tyler and a vast array of other special guests. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash brass ring media. We hope that you give us a shot. It's $4. Uh, we'll make sure that you get all the value that you can. Joel, you're a busy guy. You do so much and so much great work in the, in the industry. Um, tell everybody how they can find you more and watch you more and read you more. Take it away. 
Well, thank you, Zach. Uh, first of all, love being here. Thank you for inviting me and having me on. Uh, very, very much a good time. I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Most of my work is over on Fightful.com and over on Fightful Overbooked, which is our sister channel, myself and Jeremy Lambert. We uh, put on a lot of content there along with our contributors uh, who are very, very near and dear to us. So go check us out, youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. Uh, I do In the Weeds, which is a show that Jeremy and I run too. It's a morning show, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 10 a.m. Eastern till noon. Uh, and of course, I do the impact wrestling post show right after impact wrestling around 10 15 over on the main youtube.com slash fightful channel uh they melded in with the ring of honor post show so some weeks it's a better lead in than others some weeks kate and red are just like <laughs> roh sucked and then some weeks they're like we're gonna go three hours so get ready for that but either way it's a good time so go check us out there very good very good joel pearl everybody uh thank you to our listeners thank you to our members uh we'll be back next week same time same place right here in brass ring media Talk to y'all very soon. See ya.